We've been doing a series called Encounters with Jesus. And last week we looked at John the Baptist who was going through a lot of doubt. And he wasn't sure if Jesus was the one. If Jesus was the Messiah. And he had been jailed for righteousness and for preaching against Herod and uh, taking his brother's wife. And Jesus answers him with grace and mercy and tells John that indeed he is by his words and by his actions of healing. And so again, we see Jesus encountering people with questions, with doubts, and answering them. And tonight, we're going to look at uh, this story in Luke chapter 7, which deals with a very interesting encounter of Jesus with a Pharisee on the one hand, a religious leader who thought that they didn't really need a Savior, that they had it all together themselves, uh, with a woman of the city, a a sinner, uh, she's called in the story, probably a prostitute. And we see how Jesus interacts with both of them. But before we go on, uh, let me pray for us and then we'll get into it. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you that we can... uh, still uh, proclaim the gospel and sing and and pray and have some fun, uh, even apart. So God, would you bless everyone tonight where they are uh, on campus or at home? And would your Holy Spirit break through uh, the midst of this live stream and you would make it real for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite bands is uh, the Avett Brothers, and they have a song called The Tin Man. If you're familiar with them, they're kind of a folky alternative bluegrass band. And uh, they take that metaphor, that character, the Wizard of Oz. You, you, you know the story, there's the three characters, the, uh, um, the lion who lacked courage, the scarecrow who lacked a brain, and the Tin Man who didn't have a heart and he wanted to feel. And so... The Avid Brothers made a song about the Tin Man, and in the in the song, uh, it says this. It says, you can't be like me, but be happy that you can't. I see pain, but I don't feel it. I am like the old Tin Man. I'm as warm as a stone. I keep it steady as I can. I see pain, but I don't feel it. I'm like the old Tin Man. And then the chorus is, I miss it. I miss it. Oh, I miss that feeling of feeling. What about you? What about your heart? Do you have a passion for God, a passion for worship, a passion to love others? Or are you like the old tin man really with no feeling, no excitement, no passion? You just feel dull. You just feel hardened. And uh, maybe you just are a stoic person. Um, and you just don't sense that feeling uh, towards God or towards others. And this story kind of gives us that big contrast. Uh, in this encounter tonight, we see that. We see Jesus at this dinner party, and we see one woman who comes in and pours her heart out in passion, worshiping Jesus. And we see a Pharisee who is very critical and very standoffish and judges Jesus and the woman. And so... Um, whenever you come to the scriptures, especially the gospels, you want to ask yourself, what character in this story represents me? The Bible is written to get under the surface. The Bible is written, uh, to 
so that we would know the will of God and, and that the scriptures would touch us and make us understand that the same God, the same Jesus is alive today, reigning on high. One day we'll come back. And uh, he, is, he is meeting us in the midst of his word. And he's asking us, like, where is your heart? Where is your heart? And so the big, the big issue tonight in this passage is only in seeing your sin uh, against the holy God and understanding that sin and understanding uh, the forgiveness that Jesus gives us leads to worship, leads to passion for God. So there's a cross chart. I'm going to post it on the Facebook uh, account, the page, um, which talks about um, if you have a small view of your sin, you will have a small cross. You really won't need Jesus because you'll think life is uh, okay and uh, you really don't need God. But if you have a large knowledge of your sin, then you will have a big view of the cross because you'll understand how much you need Jesus. And so that is really what this uh, story is about. And the parable in the middle of this story is all about that. So um, the main point is a heart forgiven much loves much, but a heart forgiven little loves little. So we're going to talk about the heart tonight. Uh, let's break it down like this. A hard heart, a healed heart, and a new heart. A hard heart is the picture of the Pharisee. We might think of the Tin Man, if I only had a heart. The Pharisee shows us what no need for forgiveness looks like. Because he doesn't really see his sin. He thinks he's okay. Now, uh, if you're new to the Bible, uh, the Pharisees were basically a sect within Judaism, which were the most law-keeping uh leaders in the Jewish congregation. They were interested in obedience to the Torah. They built meticulous rules to fence off the law so they wouldn't break it. They had literally 39 laws to keep the Sabbath holy. And they were also the most influential of all the Jewish sects at that time. The Apostle Paul, before he was converted, he was a Pharisee and he talks about um, the pride he had in that, being zealous for the law and holy, that he kept all aspects of the law. Uh, the Pharisees were known for even, even tithing their weeds in the backyard. They, they tithed their, their mint, their dill, their cumin. But the problem was, is they missed their need for a savior. And they become the biggest opponents of Jesus in the New Testament, all of Jesus's uh, uh, most angered and most uh, frustrating uh, conversations are with the Pharisees. They are ultimately the ones that would bring him down uh, and arrest him and have him crucified. They were ethical. They loved the law, but they missed the fact that the law was showing them their sin. And how they were big sinners and they needed a savior. And so as you look through this uh, story, you really get a picture of what Simon the Pharisee was like. And so he had a very hard heart. One thing he does is in, in verse 39, it seems like he's inviting Jesus to his house just to test him. He says this, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman 
this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. It was not out of love that, she, that the Pharisee was asking Jesus to come over for dinner, but it was really testing him, critiquing him, checking him out. Um, maybe he had been watching and seeing Jesus uh, perform miracles and he was, and say different things. And so let me have Jesus over and really, um, really try to understand him. But it was more of a critical thing. It was more of a testing. Um, the second thing you see here is he is not only judging and critiquing Jesus, but he's judging this woman. It says, he says that for she is a sinner. He divides people in his life. Although the woman is clearly worshiping Jesus, clearly giving us extravagant worship, um, he can't see past her past. He judges her. He doesn't see another image bearer of God, an equal sinner, a person in equal standing before God. He judges and thinks that her sin will make his life unclean and his home unclean. In fact, Pharisees would not eat with sinners or, or fellowship with them because it made them unclean. On the other hand, Jesus, he had the reputation of eating with tax collectors and sinners. See the contrast. There's a lack of hospitality or love. Look at verses 45 and 46. Here's what Jesus, Jesus' indictment. He says, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. That was general hospitality back then. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. That's like shaking a hand back then. But from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. General hospitality and warmth. The Pharisee was standoffish, judging, not loving, not involved, not willing to really truly engage. And really, the Pharisee really means separation. Stand, that, that was their... Uh, their modus operandi, they were separated. They would not engage. They felt that being separated from sinners made them holy and righteous. But Jesus, the most holy and righteous, engages with tax collectors and sinners. And so this is a brief picture of this Pharisee, but you see his actions are all about judging, all about testing Jesus there's not a true sense of love, uh, a true sense of wanting to worship Jesus or to believe in who he is. And so the question to us is, man, I see that in myself a lot. Do you see that in yourself a lot? That standoffishness, that desire just to do my thing and not worry about sinners or people out there who don't know the Lord. But Jesus is calling us to engage and so a question you might ask is, how well uh, do you love people that are different than you? Different races, races, different socioeconomic situations. Do you have friends across the political aisle? We got a big debate uh, or tonight. Do you have friends on the other side? Uh, maybe there's people who disagree with you. Um, are you keeping a divided, separated life, or are you seeking to love and befriend other people 
When you do that as a Christian, you do not lose your holiness because our standing as Christians is only by faith in Christ and what he has done. There's nothing we can do to make us any better or any more righteous than anyone else. It's solely the empty hands of faith believing in Christ and we receive that righteousness from him. We're no better than anyone else. So have you seen your sin? The, the first part of the gospel, the first part of one, getting a new heart is understanding that you're a big sinner. And um, some of you might have heard this, <laughs> this story before, but when I was in college, I was a Young Life leader. And uh, this is up in Western PA when, when I was at Geneva. And we did a, a fall retreat, you know, right around this time. And I uh, remember we played this big game in the in the soccer field it was like sharks and minnows on land and i remember uh you know where you go the, the leaders were out in the uh in the middle of the field and if they tagged you um then you were you were out there as a shark as well trying to get the minnows and so you had to go back and forth right and so i remember telling my cabin i said guys it would be really funny wouldn't it if all of us as a cabin instead of trying to avoid the, uh, the main leader, this is like the, the camp MC, the, the main speaker. Why don't we just go out and like gang tackle him? And so here we go. The whistle's blown. We start running out and I went right for the guy. And guess what? I just got nailed and he knocked me over and everybody ran over to the side. And in a split second, I was so embarrassed so angry that when I got up, I turned around and leveled him. I didn't punch him, but I knocked, I like tackled him down. And I remember, and here I am, I'm a leader. I, I'm supposed to lead my cabin to know Jesus and to love people. And here I am tackling the main speaker of the weekend. I felt horrible. I apologize, but you know what it did? It made me it made me see my heart. What was I doing there? My heart wanted to be, I don't know, funny. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be known. Um, I was not satisfied in Jesus as my righteousness. I was trying to gain a, maybe a camp counselor, you know, cool leader um, idol. And that was what was driving my heart. Friends, this is our hearts. Our hearts are messed up. In fact, Jeremiah, um, he talks about the wickedness of our heart, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. My, our hearts are deceitful and wicked. And so have you seen your sin? It may be not something like that, but the inner workings of our attitudes, our lusts, um, our anxieties, the things that drive us to sin, our hearts, they come, it comes from our heart. We need a new heart. And so the second contrast here is the woman. This is the healed heart. This is the forgiven heart. Verse 37, you see her actions. He, she says, uh, 37, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. 
See, here's a picture of someone with a changed heart, someone who is in love with Jesus, someone who has been touched by him. You see, she probably had heard Jesus, uh, his words of forgiveness and grace. Remember, he eats with tax collectors and sinners, and he was probably telling them about his forgiveness, about how he's going to go to the cross um, as his mission. Maybe she was a person in the crowd a couple weeks ago, and we talked about Jesus forgiving the paralytic man. Remember the huge crowd? Um, she's been touched by Jesus, so she's coming to worship. She's coming to thank him. She's coming to pour out her expensive ointment on him. And so here's some characteristics of a forgiven heart you see in her life. Well, she risks. <laughs> she does whatever it takes to get to Jesus. This is a Pharisee's house. She comes in the side. It was probably an open area. The table is there and they're reclining at table. They, the table would probably be circular. They would be, you know, one elbow on the ground, kind of that, um, you know, you've seen pictures of that maybe in Roman society. Their feet are to the outside. And so the woman comes in to this party uninvited. But guess what? Doesn't matter. She's like the original wedding crasher. She just has to get to Jesus. And so what does she do? Well, she worships extravagantly. She takes this expensive perfume, the alabaster jar around her neck, um, which had ointment, a perfume in it, and she breaks it. Some women would use this for their retirement, and she pours it out on Jesus' feet. She's showing the costly nature of worship. And she's authentic in her worship. She weeps. She's intimate. She lets her hair down. Um, that would be something only, only married women would do with their husband. Her, her heart is intimate and authentic. She loves. She's hospitable. She is serving Jesus. It's almost an undignified worship, kind of like David, if you remember in the Old Testament, when he danced before the Lord, mostly naked, as the Ark of the Covenant's coming to Jerusalem. She's unhindered, and she's self-forgetting. She's totally unconcerned about others. She doesn't care about the Pharisees. She doesn't care about the other people that see her. She's oblivious to public opinion. She's oblivious to peer pressure. She just wants to worship Jesus. She's been forgiven, and she has to get to Jesus to thank and worship him. This is not a heart that's cold as a stone. This is a heart that loves a heart that communes with Jesus. And so the question is, do you have a soft heart like that? Do I have a soft heart like that? Man, it's rare. But God is calling us to have a heart like that. How can you tell? Well, do you love worship? One thing is, do you get up on Sunday morning? Do you seek out worship? Maybe it's just live streaming now, but I, I want to encourage all of you to, to be at church either virtually or outside, alive, um, you know, service. Some churches now are doing inside. Wallace is doing that. Um, and so wor worship of the Lord shows what your heart's about. Um, well, how do you get this healed heart? How do you get this new heart? Well, that's the last thing here. Jesus breaks our hearts with himself. And so, um, this is the last part. A new heart comes only when 
were redeemed only when a debt is paid. And so in this little parable of two sentences, Jesus explains the gospel. He says a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. That's like 20 months salary. That's like, let's say $100,000 nowadays. Okay. The other 50 denarii, that's like $5,000. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them, he asked Simon, would love him more? And Simon answered, well, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the large debt. And Jesus said, you've judged rightly. See, this is a two-sentence gospel presentation. What is this about? The gospel is about the greatest, richest moneylender of all time, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who created the heavens and the earth, who owns everything, um, has created you and I in this world. And he's created us in his image to know him, to love him, and to worship him. But guess what? We have run the other way and we worship everything else, including the Baltimore Ravens, who I was very disappointed with last night and very depressed. We worship everything else but God. We are the ones who are the debtors. We are the ones with a huge debt. Whether it's 100000 or 5000 what God says is for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death. We're condemned. But here's... What, what happens? This God forgives our debt because the richest man, the Lord Jesus, the God man, comes and he pays the debt for us. In fact, he goes to the cross and he pays it not with money, but his very blood he sheds so that our debts would be forgiven. He pays the debt on the cross. And so Jesus is telling Simon the Pharisee this story to wake him up. This is grace. You know, he could have just said, Simon, you're, you're a mess, man. We're out of here. No, he's like sharing this story to wake Simon up, to like tell Simon, like, you have a big sin. That, that your lack of love is a huge red flag. You need to get right with me. You need to wake up. The woman was awake. The woman had a healed heart, a new heart. And Jesus says at the end, your faith has saved you. It's not that she came in and did all these things and then Jesus said, you're saved. This is the idea that her worship was the result of her faith that saved her. She was saved before she entered the house. And Jesus is just observing that and saying, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so the big thing is the woman saw her sin and her need and she knew the forgiveness the Pharisee did not. And this is the same for us. Like we must see our sin. We must see ourselves as big sinners in order to have a big cross, in order to love Jesus and to know him and to be changed. And so where are you? Where are you and where is your heart tonight? I would ask you to meditate on a psalm like Psalm 139, which says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in your path. A great prayer to pray. God, search my heart. Show me my heart. In the Bible, the heart is the center of the will, the mind, the emotions. It's the center of ourselves. And typically, we are, we are unreflective. We don't know ourselves. And we need the Holy Spirit to make him, ourselves known to us. And, and here's the promise in Ezekiel. He says, I will give you a new heart. 
and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Let's not be like the old tin man without any feeling. Let's go to God and ask for forgiveness and receive a new heart. Let me pray. God, thank you for this night. Thank you for these friends uh, tuning in here. I pray that you would bless them and that you would give us uh, renewed hearts if we already know you. And maybe if we don't know you, a new heart that we would ask tonight that, Jesus, you would forgive us of our sins and we would receive your forgiveness that you offer to us in Christ. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.